Okay. She was obviously a geneticist, and uh, she's worked with male uh, Indian corn. If you've seen Indian corn, the kernels are all different colors, and it turned out that that's what caused the different colors, transposons, moving and inactivating certain things. Uh, she did get Nobel Prize for that. Uh, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty interesting. Uh, its relevance to our daily life is, you know, we're not entirely sure. So this just shows you, uh, some just move from one place to another. Others replicate before they move. So they may have several copies that move. Sometimes they may jump into a transposon or into a plasmid and then get transferred to the plasmid. Uh, they're just interesting entities that uh, whose existences don't understand. A lot of things out there we Seem to be random, yes. So may, are they remains of, of viruses that we used to have or something like that? Because we have, uh, in our genome, we have inactive viruses. Viruses that are no longer functional. That used to be human viruses and they're part of our genome and they don't do anything. So in a way, the genome is a bit of a, a history book. Kind of shows you a lot about what's gone on. Okay. So, uh, and this just shows you a diagram how it might move. I'm not going to expect you to replicate that. But the main part of this was the uh, horizontal gene transfer by means of transformation, by means of transduction, and then by means of conjugation. And you actually would have looked at this as part of your lab worksheet that you had from last time. It's not like this is all brand new in that sense. And that finished up the chapter on, on genetics. Uh, so my question then is, do you have questions on either metabolism or on genetics that you would like to ask at this point? Since we have an exam on So we talked about catabolism and anabolism and enzymes, and enzymes uh, uh, lower the activation energy, which allows reactions to occur at normal body temperatures instead of at elevated temperatures. Um, you know, we went through this stuff here. Looked at feedback inhibition briefly. And then we got to carbohydrate metabolism, which is for most cells, most organisms, is the primary mechanism, the primary pathway by which ATP is made. Uh, 
obviously, if you have no carbohydrates, then there are alternatives. Uh, but it's mostly from uh, the uh, carbohydrate pathway. And we're going to look at a process that has essentially three aspects to it. And that's for aerobic respiration. We have glycolysis here. We have the transfer to acetyl-CoA and into the Krebs cycle, which is part two. We just call it the Krebs cycle. I don't know what you mean. And then we have the electron transport key. Right? So let's take a look here. And what I'm going to do is, okay, so what happens in glycolysis? The input is a six-carbon sugar. Okay, six carbons. Actually, they're in a, a ring, but that's irrelevant for what we're looking at here. Um, and the other input is two ATP, which are essentially helping to activate the process. Okay. Now, during the process, and you can see there's a whole lot of steps to it here, which you do not need to know. Okay. What ends up happening is that this six carbon sugar gets broken into two, three carbon pieces which are called pyruvic acid. That's what happens during glycolysis. And the output then is two pyruvate molecules, okay, three carbons each, so I still have all six carbons. Well, I've got all six of them still there. Um, we, in that process, we uh, produce four ATP molecules, which is a net gain of two. So make sure you read carefully whether it asks how many are made or what is the net And then there also are some electrons that are captured that we're ultimately going to take to the electron transport chain. Okay, and NADH is the electron carrier or bus, whatever you want to call it. And so that's the output of glycolysis. Okay, that's the easy one, really. I mean, not much happens. Okay, um, then we're going to look at the Krebs cycle. Uh, let's see what I have. Let's go back. Alright, so here's my pyruvic acid here. One, two, three carbon atoms. Okay, that's how many it's supposed to have. On the way into the Krebs cycle, we're going down this pathway right here. Right through here. We remove a carbon atom. Okay? Actually, we remove a carbon atom with an associated oxygen that picks up another oxygen and becomes carbon dioxide. And so then I'm left with two carbons. This is one carbon. It's our first carbon that we've gotten rid of. Okay. This attaches to coenzyme A, and in that process, we pick off some more electrons. And the carrier picks those up. And we end up with something called acetyl CO from acetate. Two carbons left. And this is what enters the, Kre the formal Krebs cycle. Okay. Uh, okay, don't need to know all the parts, but we'll go back. Here's my two carbons right here. Where they enter the cycle, there's a four carbon compound called oxaloacetic acid. Again, don't need to know the name of that. 
These two join that to form a six carbon compound. Four plus two, six. It's called citric acid. And that's where the other name for this cycle comes from. It's often called the citric acid cycle. Now, now we go through some rearrangements and then we remove another carbon atom. We break the bond, remove the carbon atom, and this gives us another pair of electrons. And we end up with a five carbon piece. We had six, we took one away, we got five. Then we take another carbon away, which takes us to a four carbon compound. I get some more electrons, and in the process, when uh, I end up being able, and I take the, uh, uh, I'm able to get enough energy to make one ATP molecule. Okay. My little four carbon guy comes over here. I do a rearrangement from this acid to that acid. I get some electrons again, a pair of electrons. I add water in, this one, starting material and I get two more electrons. And now I'm right back to where I started from. And now another acetyl CoA comes in, drops off its two carbon thing, and I go around the cycle again. And this is happening like, like crazy all the time. Okay, inside the mitochondria and in your cell. You know, bacterium of course Since when I broke the glucose, when I brought in glucose, I made two pyruvates. Okay? So one pyruvate goes around, and I get rid of three carbon atoms, that's carbon dioxide. I get some electrons and one ATP, and then the other three carbon piece goes through. I get three more carbon, three more carbon dioxides, some more electrons, and a second ATP. So let's look at the input and output. The input is easy. The input is is uh, pyruvate. That's what goes in. And what I get out is uh, well, two pyruvates. Because when I broke glucose, I got two of them. I end up with two molecules of ATP, two molecules of this FADH2, six molecules of NADH. We also got a couple of uh, NADH. Uh, and four of CO2, but remember I got two molecules of CO2 in the acetyl-CoA part and another NADH. So really what you would have is six molecules of CO2. And let's see if this, uh, this will run and you'll see that because it keeps score. It's one of the things I like about this. Okay, so this goes in. Okay, there's an NADH. Here, form citrate or citric acid, and then we go through the process of accumulating electrons, another carbon dioxide, more electrons, another carbon dioxide. We make one ATP, some more electrons, and then some more electrons. So in the overall process of starting with pyruvate end of the Krebs cycle. And remember, I do this twice. I 
get six carbon dioxide, two ATP, two FADHG, and eight NADH. These are all a whole bunch of numbers. They do not do me no good whatsoever until I take the temperature. So uh, at this point, your net gain in ATP is only four. You're used to, you've made six, you've got to gain Yeah, this this is just from Krebs. It doesn't include the one, the, the, the two that came out. Uh, so the test is going to say six. Yes. I want you to take those two and just lump them together as a single process. And then eight and eight each. Yes. Yeah. No reason to keep them separate. Okay, then we go to the electron transport. And that's where we're taking all those electrons we've accumulated. Um, NADH dumps them off here, FAD uh, dumps it off over here, and we transfer the electrons from molecule to molecule, and as we do, hydrogen ions are forcibly moved across the membrane to a place where there's a higher concentration of hydrogen. That takes energy. If you're making them go against the concentration grade, the energy comes from then down at the end, um, the uh, electrons are given to the final electron acceptor, which in our case is oxygen. Now, here's another look at it. So here's the transfer of the electrons, pushing hydrogens across. And then this is the enzyme where the, my excess hydrogen now flow through this enzyme, and that motion, that kinetic energy of them moving through that enzyme is used to make the ATP. So this is your major ATP generator. Whether it's in the cell membrane of a bacterium or inside the mitochondrion in a eukaryotic cell, this is your major This is showing you with mitochondrion, but it would be the same in the bacterium, uh, except that they, all of these enzymes here would be in the, uh, located in the cell membrane rather than in a separate part. Okay. So NADH passes its electrons, which flow down, hydrogen ions being pushed across, goes to there to make water. And there's actually more molecules here. They're just showing you. Uh, then FADH passes in, fewer hydrogen ions, but still some hydrogen ions to go to the oxygen to make water. And then these flow through the enzyme to make, are used to make ATP. So electron transport chain is going to produce about 34. Acetyl-CoA in the Krebs cycle produces two ATP. Lipolysis produces four for a total of 40. But if you look at net total, it's 38 because I had to use two to get started. 
This is the only place APP is used in the process. But uh, kind of a nice summary of the amount of APP. So uh, for eukaryotic organisms, well, for any aerobic uh, organism, bacteria or eukaryotic, the uh, electron transport process is where the majority of the ATP is produced. Now, if you're doing fermentation, you can't do any of that. All you can do is essentially glycolysis. So for every glucose molecule, you get a net gain of two, two ATP, and that's it. That's why you find uh, only small single-cell organisms that, uh, that can ferment. A large complex organism can't, can't produce enough energy by fermentation to stay alive. It's not, not as far as we've ever seen, okay? Now, barring what might be out in the cosmos, you know, but as far as we know, that's the case. Science always changes. Did that, did that help? Uh, any other questions? Don't be shy. Yeah. Okay, chemi osmosis. Uh, I'm not going to specifically ask you for that, but I'll, I'll tell you what it is anyway. So you know. um, it is actually the name of the process that's going on in the electron transport chain. Um, it's, you're generating a, an electrochemical gradient by transporting hydrogen ions across the membrane. Now, hydrogen ions have a positive charge, and so as you're transporting them across, the pH is going to change because they have a positive charge. They're protons. Okay? That's what makes something acidic. Right. Um, and then the protons flow down their gradient through the enzyme ATP synthase. And then they're used to make ATP. That's chemiosmosis, is that process. That's the and I don't know why they put the word osmosis on the end, because it really isn't, there's no osmosis involved. But somebody made that. It's confusing. You notice even in the explanation here that they don't use the word osmosis at all. So chemiosmosis is simply the name of the process of what's actually going on in the electron. And that process has kept you alive for how long you've been here, so pretty effective. You want to make sure you're friendly. There are, by the way, mitochondrial diseases. People who have mitochondria that are in some way less efficient or slightly defective, and then they won't produce the same amount of ATP. It's not an easily fixable problem. So let me ask a question then. Let's assume that we're, we're going through the electron transport chain. We're pumping those hydrogen ions across just like we're supposed to. But I've given you a drug which makes the membrane 
leaky, and a lot of those hydrogen ions just leak back through without ever going through the ATP synthase. What would be what would happen? You would make less. Now, it wouldn't affect those. They're still dropping off their electrons. Their electrons are floating down through like they're supposed to, going to water or to oxygen, becoming water. But many of the hydrogen ions that they're pumping across the membrane are simply leaking back through without going down to the enzyme. So you're going to make less what? Yeah, ATP. Now, and you also generate heat generate a lot of heat because your body knows it's not making as much ATP, so what does it do? It elevates its metabolism to try to make more. Uh, there is a, uh, actually it's in your assignment, uh, I believe, a drug called uh, dinitrophenone, uh, DNP, that was originally marketed as a diet drug because it would make your electron transport chain less efficient Therefore, you would have to use more carbohydrates to make to make your ATP. Okay. Problem is dosage. A little too much of that, and it will kill you. So it's been outlawed, considered a poison. If I put cyanide into the system, cyanide blocks the enzyme which hands electrons to oxygen at the end of the chain stops the whole process. Plenty of oxygen available, we just can't get the electrons transferred over. That's why cyanide is effective. Very effective. Lots of plants make cyanide. Uh, Apples have cyanide in Whether that's to inhibit animals from eating too much of Other questions? Well, with 10 minutes left, I don't really see any point in starting the next, uh, next one uh, lecture. Uh, we'll have the exam then on Wednesday. Uh, I don't remember what we're doing in lab. Does anybody remember what we're doing in the lab Wednesday? I haven't looked yet. What? Uh, okay, I'll have to look and see what, what the lab is. Uh, your uh, bacterial genetics hopefully will be ready to turn in uh, by Wednesday. And I'll, I'll, I'll double check tomorrow if I need to post anything. Okay. What they're obviously suggesting is using the bacteria to convert, uh, convert it into uh, arsenate, which does not dissolve in water well, to reduce the amount of arsenic that actually 
now. That doesn't mean we we're actually. This stuff, what, what, it, what the organism would do is uh, turn the arsenic into a state which is not dissolved in water and therefore less dangerous. That's what you would do. Wait, Jonathan, do you know or you want to wait for the lab? Um, why don't you wait till lab? I'll do okay. it otherwise. Oh, I do have uh, second chance quizzes for anybody who took it.